0: Today we're talking about reformation in the family. I just want you, no matter where you are in your walk, I felt one of the things that I felt from the Lord for this morning is that God was going to minister to every phase of life. So if you're not married, if you are married, you have small children, you don't have children, you have teenagers, your kids are out of the house, you've never been married. I felt like the Lord said to just set the stage that if you're a single person, a single parent, someone that's never been married or any, just open up your heart to receive because the Lord is gonna minister to you this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your beautiful presence that is in this room. Lord, I pray that you will anoint your servants this morning. I pray God that we will speak what you want to say. Lord, I thank you that nobody came to hear us, but we all came to hear you we don't make room for you, Holy Spirit. We give you the whole room. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Well, good morning, babe. Good
1: morning. I to talk, I I have mic. To talk in this. Good morning.
0: <laughs> so I wanted to open up today and, and tell you, in addition to God's going to minister all the phases of life, I wanted to tell you that it's not too late to reform your family. Yeah. I know that often we see um, people get up and minister. You may look at at Nikki and me and say, man, they've just followed the Lord all their lives and they've stewarded their relationship with God so beautifully and and it's just too late for me and I didn't start early enough and I didn't encounter the Lord early enough and I'm too late in life and the opportunity for me has, has shifted. It's too late. There's no way I can catch up. This is what I heard in my spirit that people were saying or thinking, there's no way I can catch up. So I want to open up this morning by giving a little bit of our testimony so that you can see the power of the blood of Jesus and what the Lord can do in your life. You want me to start? So I want to say this. I had a relationship that was built around the church, not the Lord. Um, I was raised in church I was raised, I came up in the house of God. I think I was in church at about a week old and we rarely missed. I can count on one hand how many times I've been, y'all don't know nothing about that. I come to church sick. We go to church on vacation. We don't do that anymore, but we'd look for a church. I grew up Church of God. Anybody know the Church of God? Yeah, praise God. And uh, so we'd look for a Church of God church, whatever, whatever city we went to and And grew up in the church. And I'm so thankful for that heritage. I'm really grateful. I had beautiful moments in the presence of God. But my relationship with the Lord was built around when I could get to church. I could get to the church building so that I could encounter God. If I could get to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting, choir rehearsal, revival services a couple times a year, we'd have a week long revival, just whatever I could do, get to church, get to church, get to church. And that was my relationship with the Lord. And I didn't have a daily encounter. That was a foreign concept to me. Um, I didn't encounter the Lord daily and I didn't encounter the Lord daily well into our marriage. It may surprise some people. I was in full-time ministry We were worship leaders for 20 years almost before we started pastoring. And then we began pastoring and leading worship. And um, if you've ever served in a church, you know, you wear about 17 hats. And so we were doing all kinds of, and I still didn't have the depth of a daily encounter relationship with the Lord. Like I said, my relationship wasn't with Jesus. It was with the church. And here's what happens when your relationship isn't with Jesus but the church, the moment the church hurts you, you get offended at God. So you get in an unhealthy church with unhealthy people and then you blame the Lord for your pain and you disconnect from God because you put your faith in people instead of Jesus. And I know what I'm talking about because this was my life. And I wanna tell you this morning, Not having a daily encounter with the Lord early in life is my single greatest regret. There are so many things that I think we could have avoided early in our marriage. There were uh, addictions to pornography that I could have avoided. Avoided. There were, there were pain in our, the pain, I just want to express to you, there is pain that comes from a disconnected relationship with the Lord. And many people think if I can just get married, it'll fix the pain. But here's what happens when you get married, it compounds the pain. Just like if you have a daily encounter and you have a strong relationship with God And you're both of you do when you get married, it compounds that relationship with the Lord. Your disconnection from the, from the presence and the spirit of the Lord is also compounded when you come together, because all the filth, all the stuff that God deals with when you encounter him daily begins to be brought to the surface in marriage.
1: My story was quite different where I was not raised in church, we went to a little Baptist church down on the corner on Christmas and Easter, because you go to the Easter egg hunt and you go to Christmas to do the Christmas service. But on the weekends, we had live bands in our living room every weekend. The bill that my parents would pay just on the bar in our home and the chaos and stuff that happened in our home every weekend was not the same experience. So when I finally, I think I was 13 years old, we went to a Pentecostal church, which was a shock. (laughs) Coming from a Baptist church, um, I experienced the tangible presence of the Lord and it changed my life forever. And although what he just said about when you don't build a foundation on an encounter with the Lord, the first thing that comes along is going to knock you off. Going to knock you off the foundation. And that very thing happened. I had incredible encounters with the Lord, but I didn't have a daily personal relationship with him. So the first person in the church that came at me and hurt me, I was like, forget it. I don't even want to be a part of this. And to be honest, the friends on the outside were better than the friends on the inside. They would give you the shirt off their back, come take care of you all the while feeding you everything that you didn't need all the while taking you down the wrong path. But the Lord had such an incredible plan that he brought me back at the right time and gave me an, gave me an option. He, he gave me a fork in the road and he said, you have this, you can come over here and you can have the permissive will of the Lord, or you can come over here and have the perfect will of the Lord. And I had an encounter with him and that's when Pastor Les and I actually met at church and it you changed You can just call me life. by my first name I'm sorry. if you want to. Les, Cody. <laughs> just kidding. My hubby, my hot man. (laughs) You know, the pastors, the men always get to say from the front row, oh, my hot wife sitting on the front row. I'm going to do it to you. How does it feel? (laughs) My hot, sexy
0: husband. I don't do that to you. (laughs) That is so cringe. Y'all know what I'm talking about?
1: So cringe. If you're
0: listening to the podcast, no offense to you.
1: (laughs) If you do that.
0: 22-year-old pastor, but I don't do that.
1: It's weird, y'all. It's weird.
0: I did when I was 22, but I don't do that anymore. So I want to talk about four relationships in the family that God is going to reform today. Some of y'all are just shaking your head. We talked before. We're like, all right, we're going to be authentic. We're just going to be us. Me. We're going to have a good time. We want you to learn from yes. us.
1: Yes. Which means I'm really honored. Yeah, she is.
0: Talk about four relationships to reform in the family. The first is your relationship with the Lord. I want to remind yeah. you, we do have notes today, our app. So text the word notes to 590-90. A link will come back to you. There's a lot of scripture and notes. I would encourage you to save it and go back and look at these notes. We don't have notes today. We do not have notes today. It's okay. Thank you, comms team. Uh, yeah. We love the comms team, don't we? Yes. we
1: do.
0: Technology. And this is my fault I didn't get it to them until late. But uh, take notes today. So pull yeah. out your phone, <laughs> open up your notes app. You know why? It's better to take notes, anyways, because right. it keeps you engaged.
1: Yep. Four relationships
0: to, to reform in family. Number one, your relationship with the Lord. You need to take notes because you need to go yeah. back and look at this. This is yeah. a word that, that you are want to steward. You want to get on our podcast and listen to this over yeah. and over. Uh, we, you got to prioritize your relationship with the Lord. Your daily encounters must become priority. If you prioritize your spouse before Jesus, yeah. you will have pain in your yes, marriage. If you prioritize your church before Jesus, you will have pain in your life. You've got to put Jesus yes. first and encounter him. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11 says this, "Give us this day our daily." Somebody say daily. Daily. Daily bread. Daily. Give us our daily bread.
1: Every single day you have to read your word. It is feeding your spirit man. And if you don't read and you don't have it in your spirit, your spirit man will die. You will be tempted, you will be set off course. Uh, We were sitting the other morning and I was having my encounter time in the living room and Georgia came in and she did not want to sit and listen to the Bible. And she's like, do we have to listen to this? And I'm like, actually, yeah, we do. I said, this is mommy eating, I'm eating breakfast. And she said, what? I said, I'm eating breakfast. I said, my spirit needs this word because it teaches me. She goes, it does? I was like, yeah, just like you eat food, it feeds your flesh. Well, you eat the word of God and he feeds your spirit, man. She goes, okay, shh, shh, y'all be quiet. We're listening to the Bible. <laughs> I love so feed, feed your spirit, feed man. Feed your
0: spirit. Bill Johnson says this. He said, somebody came to him and said, you know, Bill, I, I read the word every day, but by afternoon, I don't remember what I read. I can't remember it all. He goes, well, I don't remember <laughs> what I had for breakfast this morning either, but it still worked. Exactly. I think about that all the time. Yeah. So, as you're reading, maybe you don't remember, but I promise when you need it, there's something in your spirit that yes. you've deposited. Yes. And if you've ever been in spiritual warfare, you've been talking to somebody, you've been yep. going through something, all of a sudden these scriptures will come up out of your spirit and you go, where did that come from? Oh, I've been yep. diligently and yes. faithfully Depositing, reading my word yes. every day. And when I need to withdraw, there's something yep. in there. But a lot of Christians make no deposits, yet they expect to withdraw. Exactly. They haven't deposited the word. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word Yes. and the word was God. And the word was with God, and he put on flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus. And if you want a deeper relationship with Jesus, read your Bible. I don't like to read. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The Bible app has a great feature. You press play. You can listen to it. Follow along. You can speed it up. You can slow it down. There is no excuse in 2024 for you not
1: to read the Bible. Listen, I'm a walking testimony to this. I literally have a memory issue. I cannot remember. My short-term memory is really off. My long-term memory is incredible. But I would not read the Bible because I'd be so frustrated. Well, I can't remember it anyways, so why am I reading it? Until I became disciplined and started reading it every day. And there was still times that I would get really frustrated. I'm like, I can't remember, I can't remember. And then when it would matter, I'm telling you, it would come out like a wellspring. And then when I'm done, With what the lord had me deliver i i'm shocked like oh wait it is in your strength it's not on me i don't have to do this all i have to do is be diligent and feed and feast on your word it changes everything
0: matthew 7 5 says this you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye if you want a better relationship with your spouse with your children with your friends with your family read the bible and counter the lord every day because when you do, the Lord will speak to you like this yeah. scripture. He will, go, he will say, hey, hypocrite, you're mad at your wife. Mm-hmm. You need to take the log out of your eye before you go and try to take the speck out of her eye. There's been so many times when I wasn't encountering the Lord daily that I would be so frustrated with her about something. I can't even remember just stupid things. Be frustrated. And today, I go encounter the Lord, and the Lord, I love how the Lord speaks to me. He'll just slap me upside the head. Look here, you thick-headed fool. Like, come on, wake up, boy, and tell me, go apologize. This is your issue. Die to your flesh. Walk in humility. I'll come in the bathroom, babe, I'm really sorry. I, I, you know, I said something, I got frustrated with you, whatever it might be, I repent to you. And then the problem is solved. And what used to take days and sometimes weeks of a lack of peace, arguments uh, unforgiveness, yep. little things, and then six months later, something that you said would pop up in an argument. Why? Because you're not encountering the Lord every yep. day. You're not washing your Checking mind and your, your spirit in the Word of God. The, yep. the 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 Spirit of the Lord doesn't have access to reveal those things to you. When you're encountering God every day, you're not going to have unforgiveness in your life That's right. because the Holy Spirit's going to say you need to forgive. <laughs> Hey, there's this soft, yeah. there's, this, there's this, this, sensitive place you haven't forgiven. You need to release. You need to forgive. When you're washing yourself in the word every yeah. day, you're going to be humble. That's you're right. going to be quick to forgive and quick to apologize. And then peace comes into your life. Yeah. Let me just tell you something. If there's not peace in your life, it's not somebody else's fault.
1: Right. Come on. Come on.
0: That's All right. Psalms 139, yeah. 23 and 24. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Yes. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.
1: If this is not part of your encounter time, yes. I want to encourage you yes. to put this scripture on a wall, on a post it note, write it on the mirror. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. This is an invitation. We are inviting him in because his kindness leads us to repentance. It gives us clean hands and a pure heart that we're asking for. And he says, if we're not holy and if we're not coming before him ready, that he can't, he can't even hear us. That's right. So search me, Lord.
0: I'm going to give you some practical advice. Uh, One of the greatest pieces of advice that I can give you when it comes time to developing the discipline of having a daily encounter is to make a plan. And I chose those words very carefully, develop a discipline in having a daily encounter. You see, as spirit-filled Christians, as people who love the presence of the Lord, often we think if we're not whipped up in some whirlwind of emotional connection with God, then we can't have an encounter with God. And we think, well, I didn't feel the Lord today. I'm not feeling the direction of the Holy Spirit into this moment. I wasn't asleep and he didn't wake me up and woo me into the living room to encounter him, which happens sometimes. Right? But, oh, that didn't happen. I guess I'm not having a daily encounter. No, no. No, sir. No, ma'am. Be disciplined. Be disciplined. So you will find the time to encounter the Lord. Because you find the time to get up at the crack of dawn and play golf. I see some of y'all Instagram posts. You find the time to get up and spread synthetic deer urine all over you. Get up at four o'clock in the morning, climb up in a blind, be silent for six hours, and shoot some deer. I just, you know, Pastor, I'm just not a morning person. I just don't know what to tell you. Well, you're you're lying to yourself first, ladies. Don't get it twisted. Now y'all find the time to go shopping. To go get your nails done, to be with your girlfriends. Y'all find the time, guys, to watch football, to do anything and everything that you want to do. You find the time to do it. Rain, sleet, or snow, you find the time to do it. And not only do you find the time, but you are bright-eyed and (laughs) bushy-tailed at 4 o'clock in the morning. Good morning. Let's go shoot some deer. Oh, you know, I'm not a morning person. You're lying to yourself. And then the second part of that sentence is, so what? Two most powerful words in the English language. I say this to myself all the time, and I always say it to my children. And I say, hey, go clean your room. I don't want to clean your room. I go, so what? Did anybody ask you what you wanted to do? Okay. (laughs) We'll get into that in a moment. But those are powerful words. Just say to yourself, so what? Let me just let you in on something. I've told my kids this all their life. I tell SLS students this all the time. Nobody feels good at 5.30 in the morning. So we have people get up and go, well, I set my alarm for 5.30 or 6 a.m. to do my daily encounter, but I woke up and I didn't feel good. (laughs) Nobody feels good except for the three people that are morning people at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. You say to yourself, so what? Say it with me. Say, so, so what? What? Guess what? You're not going to feel good at 730 either. <laughs> Splash some cold water on your face. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and go be disciplined. Thank you, Tonka. Thank you for clapping. Encounter the Lord. It's not about Lord. you anyways. Encounter the Lord. It's about him. That's right. It's about him. And if you'll be consistent, you'll begin to feel him. Then you'll begin to hunger and thirst for him. Then you'll say, I can't go a day without encountering the Lord. Then you'll say, I got to steal away. Ah, I need 30 more minutes. I'm going to set my alarm for five instead of 530. You'll begin to hunger and thirst, but it takes time. And even if you're not, you got to do it. Be disciplined. Here's my plan. I want you to write this down. We're going to post this plan on our social media accounts. Mercy Culture Waco. All of our social media accounts will post this plan as well. But I want to encourage you to do this. I I pray every day, Psalms 101, verses 1 through 8, over myself and my family. I'm not going to read it to you, but it's one of the most powerful scriptures that you can pray. I can't think of more that I want for my children and my family than Psalms 101, 1 through 8. I pray this prayer. Then I go through these things. Um, some of this is part of my daily encounter and some of this is part of the, the daily routine we do with our children. We go through the books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, okay. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second. So my, my little kids starting at three and four years old could knew all 66 books of the Bible because we just sing this song every morning. We go through the fruits of the spirit. We ask God to help us to walk in the fruits of the spirit. And they all know all of the fruits of the spirit. We go through the gifts of the spirit. We ask God to in part, let us operate in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We go through the love chapter. First Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. We go through that scripture. We have
1: to remind them of this quite often. We have to remind them
0: all the time. I'll make them repeat it. They'll be fighting. I'll go, what well, love chapter, and they'll, love the patient, love is kind. And the atmosphere in the home begins to change. We go through the Ten Commandments. My God, if we could just do the Ten Commandments, the world would be utopia. But we teach our children the Ten Commandments. We put on the full armor of God every day. We go through the Beatitudes. We we, we read the Beatitudes. We ask the Lord for the seven spirits of God. The Bible says there are seven spirits of God that dwell around the throne of the Lord. We ask the Lord to give to us the seven spirits of God. We pray the prayer of reformation. That is the prophetic prayer over this house for this year. We pray for you. Mercy culture. We pray for the families and the members of Mercy Culture Waco, Mercy Culture Fort Worth, Mercy Culture Dallas, Mercy Culture Español, Mercy Culture Online, Mercy Culture Austin launching in 2025. And then we pray a blessing over our children. Listen, we built up to this. We didn't just start out day one knowing all this stuff. This is years of discipline and hearing the Lord saying, Lord, do you want us to change something? This Psalms 101, I just started at the beginning of this year. This scripture just became alive in my spirit one day in a regular daily reading. And we, I started reading this over the family and myself every day. So you build up to these things, start somewhere. And then I pray a few more scriptures. First Chronicles 410. This is the prayer of Jabez. Oh, Lord, expand my territory. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. This is a cry, a prayer for wisdom. Um, if wisdom came naturally, there'd be a lot more wise people in the world. Wisdom is something the Bible says you have to search for as you do hidden treasure. If you have chaos in your life, there's foolishness in your life. If you can't pay your bills ever, I'm not talking about hard times. We all go through hard times. But it's a consistent cycle in your life. You need to ask God for wisdom. If you've got constantly, there's drama going on with every relationship and people are hurting you and all these things, there's something wrong. You need to ask the Lord for wisdom. If you are always, I'm going to say that again. If you are always having people hurt you, some of y'all tell on yourself on Facebook. And people be putting, not in view, of course, nobody in this room, but people post on Facebook like, you know, every friend I have just hurts me. Every single one of them uh, always, always uh, betrays me. Okay. There are three mirrors in life. There's the physical mirror that reflects your physical appearance. There's the mirror of your mind. And that is your writing. If you ever want to know if you're clear about something, try to write it down. If you can't write it out, you, you, you don't have a clear thought yet. And then there's the mirror of your character. And the mirror of your character are the people that you draw to yourself. And if you are always drawing to yeah. yourself liars, deceivers, gossipers, people that hurt you, people that disappoint you, people that talk about you behind your back, there's a character issue that you need to take before the Lord and ask him to give you wisdom on how to ferret this out. Yeah. Amen. So good. I pray for humility. I ask for spiritual authority so that I can carry the, the mantle of, of spiritual father in this city. I pray 1 Peter 3, 7. This is a prayer for husbands. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayer will not be hindered. Some of, these, some of you men feel like the heavens are brass, and God is not answering your prayers because you don't treat your wife as your equal. Okay. 1 Samuel 2, three, two I pray this prayer. It's, it's, it's a prayer asking for God to make me a faithful priest yes. as a pastor. These are routines in our life, and routines have been a game changer for our marriage and for our relationship with the Lord. These routines. I, I said it earlier, I wasn't a morning person either. I hated mornings. uh, When I was a teenager, I was notorious. My grandma, for a little season, would pick me up and take me to school. I was like 15 years old. I just didn't say a word. Get in the car, just just total silence all the way. And even after I got married, and Nikki's a morning person, she was like, well, you're gonna have to get right on over it.
1: (laughs) Good morning. Would you tell them what your mom used to sing to y'all when you woke up? Oh,
0: yeah. Wake up, wake up. Church, you better wake up while you can for the Lord your God. So she would wake Obnoxious. up. Obnoxious. <laughs> but my wife was like, well, you better get out. You're a grown man. Put a smile on your face. I'm going to be grumpy. What are you, grumpy in the morning? What do you think this is? What are you, a toddler? Good morning. <laughs> That's what she told me. and guess it worked.
1: I get up He's earlier so kind than her in now. The
0: morning. He does. I do. That's part of the vision. The vision of this house is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. You must encounter the Lord daily. This isn't yes. just the vision of mercy culture, it's the vision, the passion, and the obsession of yep. our lives and of our family. But I want to tell you, that hasn't always been the case. I told you that earlier. I don't have the testimony. Pastor Landon tells his beautiful testimony of his whole life as a young man, as a teenager, encountering the Lord every day, and that's been his passion. It wasn't mine. My passion was the church. It's still part of my passion. I love the house of God, but that was what I was passionate about. And it is the greatest regret of my life, but it isn't too late. Right. That's right start That's today right. Yes. developing the discipline of encountering my mom used to say Lord. it
1: was one of my favorite quotes that she would say she would say if i could go back i would serve jesus every day of my life but she started That's right. there was a point that she started and she changed my legacy that got me in a church that met a husband who was called into ministry, who changed our children's life, who go to school and stand up for things that most others don't. Hey, that's not right. They call it out. Changed my legacy because she started.
0: That's right. It's never too late. Start. Learn from me. Start today. So people ask this question a lot. What if I don't feel God in my daily encounter? So what? The goal is not for you to feel God. The goal is for God to feel you. Yes. Yes. And there are days when I just walk into my living room and begin to weep. The presence of God is so strong. I lay on my carpet and I'm a puddle. And there are other days when I worship him and I pray and I didn't feel anything. But I still made sure he heard my adoration and love for him. Yes. And most of the times that I hear from the Lord are not in the daily encounter. It's throughout the rest of my life. It's driving down the road. It's doing the dishes. It's sitting at my desk. It's being in meetings. And Lord will speak to me about something else. Why? Because we've developed an intimate relationship. And he knows that he can trust me. Because not because I'm so wonderful, but because I've asked him to help me to be trustworthy. Space for him made, yes, made space for him to speak, gone before him. If you're, if you're having trouble, let me give you a piece of practical advice. Just begin to tell them how holy he is. Yes. Do what they do in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Yes. Just begin to tell him how holy he is, how righteous he is. Just begin to thank the Lord. If you can't thank the Lord for specific things for longer than 30 seconds, you have a thankfulness issue. Name the things you're grateful for. Let him feel you. I'm going to give you some more practical advice. Read books on the presence of God. Yes. Write these books down. The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. T-O-Z-E-R. The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. In the Secret of His Presence by G.H. Knight. And another one, Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hint. Yes. Beautiful books that will help you to develop a hunger and thirst for God's presence. And then lastly, and most importantly, read the Bible. If that's all you can do, read the Bible and you'll experience God through the word of God. Um, I'm going to give you a warning. You have to make sure that you are Sabbathing I know that this can be a new concept to a lot of Christian believers. What do you mean Sabbath? Sabbath simply means that we take one day a week and we give it to the Lord. It means that we trust God. If you can't Sabbath, you have a trust issue. It's the same spirit behind people who refuse to tithe. And it's so interesting because you can go online and find a million videos telling you, you don't have to tithe and you don't have to Sabbath. You'll have all of these people that, you'll, that will teach you and partner with your rebellion and partner with your lack of trust. You see the tithe and the Sabbath are simply saying, Lord, you can do more with my, with my 90% than I can do with 100%. So God, I give you all of my time and all of my money, but I set aside specifically this 10% I give to you first. And this day a week belongs to you. There was a season in our life that we were in an incredibly unhealthy church. We were on staff. We worked really hard. We worked six days a week. I mean, we worked hard, long, hard hours. And it was very uh, stressful and emotionally and spiritually challenging. And, but they taught us about the Sabbath and it was really important. And every, we Sabbath once a week and turn off your phone and Sabbath. But the way that I was taught to Sabbath was the first time I was really taught about it, but they would use it as a day. They would always say, veg out and do nothing. Yeah. Like, I mean, so it was like this this culture among our staff where people like wouldn't get out of their pajamas and just lay in bed all day and Sabbath because we were so exhausted yeah by the end of the week, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that's all we could do is just sort of lay in bed. That is not a healthy Sabbath. No. And I know some of you, especially some of the young people, when we start talking about Sabbath, they're like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, I, I can't do the dishes today because I'm on my Sabbath. Mom, I'd love to help you with whatever you need, but I'm Sabbathing today. Uh, No, you're lazy. (laughs) Sabbath must be stewarded well. So what does it mean to steward a Sabbath well? It means submit it to the Lord. Say, Father, what do you want me to do today? What's your heart for me? Begin to find out what gives you strength, what refills you, what gives you energy, what gives you joy. Go on a walk. You probably are not filled with energy if you lay in bed, don't yeah. take a shower, don't brush your teeth, stay in your pajamas, lay in bed, and binge watch some filth on TV all day long.
1: That is not keeping it holy.
0: Eating junk food yeah. and going, I just don't know why I can't rest. I'm Sabbathing every week. <laughs> That's not a good Sabbath. So sometimes Sabbath means you get outside, you exercise. Um, my wife will laugh some, just. Just a quintessential Les Cody moment. She gets up on a Monday is when we Sabbath. She comes into the kitchen, and I've taken all of it the... It says
1: rest, heal, and yeah. hear from God. Right. It does not say organize. <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: I've taken everything out of the pantry, and it's all over the floor in the kitchen. <laughs> I live and I'm organizing the pantry and putting it back into this certain area because I said, I'm just.
1: Uh, uh, no, 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 no. This is my Sabbath. <laughs> I am not doing that. I didn't ask Go her to help. It. I didn't
0: ask her to no, help. You did. But for me. Yes, did. Okay, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, you did. She didn't. No, I she did didn't not. help. <laughs> but for me, I knew if I'll fix this, this will give me rest. Yep. It's not necessarily restful to put that in order, but it is, it will bring me rest whenever I have to make the kids breakfast in the morning and we've got 10 minutes to walk out and I'll have to dig through a disorganized mess. I open it, know exactly where the bread is, know exactly where this is, put it back. I get a little shiver like, (laughs) woo.
1: it brings him life. (laughs) It brings me
0: joy. Just makes life so easy. He
1: walks around the house just like this.
0: Yeah. Like (laughs) surveying my kingdom. I
1: said, what are you doing? I'm just looking. It's wonderful. Open the pantry. Because order will bring peace. Open the pantry.
0: It's one of the prophetic words of this year is to get your house in order. Listen, there are a lot of people, a lot of people, no no guilt, no shame, but I'm bringing you prophetic warning. There are a lot of people that live in complete and total disorder. Your life is out of order. You don't know where anything is. Every drawer is a junk drawer.
1: Literally. Guys, it doesn't matter the size of your house. We literally lived in an RV for a year. We did. And my, pant, my little c- cabinets had all the seasoning and everything strategically placed. <laughs> ask Whitney. <laughs> she would get, If it, something got out of order, she put it back in order. Because you don't have an excuse. There's no excuse. My yep. grandmother literally had a house of dirt. And guess what she did? She swept that dirt because it looked nice. She would sweep it. She'd keep it in order because when you come home, you wanna take joy in what you have and she was grateful for what she had. So take care of what you have.
0: Partner with the prophetic word of this year, bring your house in order. If your house is in chaos and disorder, Mm -hmm. your life will reflect what's happening in the physical. Mm And often what's happening in the physical is just reflecting what's happening in the spiritual and in the natural. You will bring peace into your life and you will be a good steward.
1: Yeah. Do Ah. what brings you rest. So I love to cook, but I don't like to do the dishes. (laughs) So we buy paper plates for Mondays and then I get to cook and enjoy the whole time and get to sit and have time with our family where I'm not standing in there cooking the whole time and then wasting that time after of being with them Cleaning up the dishes and cleaning up everything.
0: Whenever we were, we up. left that, that ministry that we were involved in, and we had taken a, a little break. It was the longest break I'd ever taken. I think it was two or three weeks. And we went, part of that time, we went to Nikki's aunt's house. She lives on, a, on the lake in Hot Springs, Arkansas, a beautiful place. And we were out in her boat, and it was sunset. We were driving around in the boat, and I could feel anxiety, my heart was beating fast. I could hear my pulse in my ears. And I was just thinking in my head, this is what was going through my head. You're lazy. You're not working. What are you doing? You're not, you're not providing for your family right now. You're lazy. You're a loser. Get to work. You should be productive. You should be doing something. And a lot of you have that feeling. A lot of men have that feeling. That's a good thing, men. If you're not a hard worker, go before the Lord and ask him to help you to be one. But we also have to bring balance to that. And we have to item. know how to Sabbath. And I could feel that. And I knew this is an attack of the enemy. This is spiritual trying to steal my rest. Yep. And I called our spiritual mom. You guys have met her. She lives in El Paso. She comes here often, Pam. And I called Pam and I, that evening and I told Pam. her what was going on. And she read this scripture to me, Hebrews 4, 9 through 10. There is therefore now a Sabbath rest for the children of God. And then she said, there is therefore now a Sabbath rest for the children of God. There is therefore now a Sabbath rest for the children of God. There is therefore now a Sabbath rest. And she just started prophesying this scripture. And she read it 10, 20, 30 times over me. Nothing else. Just declaring the word of God until I started to cry. And that spirit began to break off of me. And the Bible brought deliverance. And then she did as she does. I declare in the precious name and identity of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will be set free from every spirit of performance and comparison and all of these things. And it helped me to begin to walk in the ability to be a hard worker and know how to Sabbath and give those days to the Lord. The second relationship that we're going to talk about bringing Reformation to this morning is your relationship with your spouse. We alluded to it earlier, we talked about a lot earlier that we spent a lot of years prioritizing church and not prioritizing a daily encounter, our relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And since we've begun to prioritize our relationship with God above everything else in daily encounters, we are more in love today Mm -hmm. than we've ever been before. My grandfather, I remember he passed away, has it been two years years now? It'll be two years this year. And uh, he's my buddy. He's the closest man in my life. And he was married to my granny for 65 years. And they got married at 15 and 16 years old. And he used to tell me all the time, he'd say, son, you think you love this woman. You don't love her. He said, you think you love Jesus. You don't love Jesus. You don't know what love is. Love grows year after year. And I watched their relationship, and they had, like, a fairy tale relationship. Yes. We could hear them. They'd be in the back room, didn't know anybody was listening, and they'd talk baby talk to one another. <laughs> they would hold hands, and they just loved on each other. And, yeah. and there was this romance through their entire 65 years. It never got old. I never heard them bad mouth each other. I never heard them act like, ugh, I can't stand it. Never. And they loved each other because they put Jesus first. Mm-hmm. They were the old school daily encounterers. Yeah. They put the Lord first and you grow deeper in love when you do that. We pray this prayer over our family every night when we go to bed. Lord, help us to fall more in love with you and more in love with each other every day. And that's what we pray. And we are walking in the fruit of that. I want to tell you, if you have a struggling marriage this morning, behind every struggling marriage is a spouse that is struggling to encounter the Lord every day. I can feel, I can feel resistance when I say that I can actually feel it. I feel people kind of inwardly rolling their eyes. All right, enough on this daily encounter business. We get it. No, you don't get it. you don't. You don't. It it. It changes everything. And I promise you, if two people, if a man and a woman will truly encounter the Lord every day, your marriage will heal. Because there is no greater marriage counselor than the Holy Spirit. Yep. He will speak to you. He'll tell you when to apologize. He'll tell you when to forgive. He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you how to humble yourself. He'll tell you how to pray for your spouse. It'll change everything. It'll change yep. everything. Yeah.
1: The question shouldn't be, does something offend me? It should be, should it offend me? Um, there's a running joke that I'm unbothered. <laughs> But I promise you, I was bothered. I was bothered when we first got married about everything, the way he would talk to me, the way he would look at me. And so many times he wasn't thinking anything. He wasn't doing anything wrong. I just felt what did you like, say? I wasn't what? <laughs> he wasn't always doing something no. wrong. But most of the time- I I'm walked right
0: gonna... into that one.
1: But I was bothered all the time. And I remember going to bed. We would have an argument, go to bed, and I am stewing. I am laying in the bed stewing. And he's over there sleeping like a baby. Nothing bothering him. Just wake up in the morning, good morning. Are you kidding me? Good morning. Do you not remember the fight that we had last night?
0: All the men in the house were like, no, I don't remember.
1: Uh, I don't remember. That is kind of true, though. They really don't remember. (laughs) It's just. It's just the fact. But I remember making the decision, should this bother me? Okay, what does the Lord say about me? What is the bank account that we have? Because he's deposited way more than he's taken out. And so when he does something that would offend me and that would be rightfully so, I had to ask myself, should this offend me? And one of the best ways We'll talk about this in a minute with forgiveness, and I'll say it again. But one of the best ways and easiest ways to release somebody from something is to show honor. When I honor him and the office in which he walks, the man of God that he made him, the son, it is so easy to release him from a small, minute action in the moment. I get to release him because I know who he is and I know what he's already deposited in my life. And then it's like, mm. No, that shouldn't bother me. Okay. What are we going to do? Where are we going? What are we doing right now? And it's so quick and it's so easy. And those long fights turned into short fights and then turned into sporadic fights. And then it's like every once in a blue moon, but what's amazing about encounter time is that when you're in the presence of the Lord, you so quickly recognize the spirit when it walks in the room. So he may turn and snap at me for something. And instead of, reacting to him because I'm real good at reacting. The Lord is still working on me. (laughs) I can react to something. You take a moment and you remain silent when the Lord tells you to be silent. Like, wait a second. This is a spirit. This is a spirit. Can I tell you, I love you. I'm not mad at you, but let's what's going on because this is coming from somewhere. If you're not encountering Him, you can't forgive. If you're not encountering Him, you can't get past a fight. If you're not encountering Him, you will go to bed in anger.
0: And if you're not encountering Him, you won't respond well to that statement. Yeah. So some of you men, your wives will say, "Wait a second, what's happening, Spirit?" You're like, I "Don't bring up the Lord right now." <laughs> Encounter the Lord. Yep. Be the priest it of the crushes home. crushes pride. Men, man up. Yep. Stop looking to your wife to lead you in every area. We got a bunch of weak men in society. There's weak men in society. There's these women of God who are looking for a man that's strong enough to lead them and they can't find one. Well, I don't know, honey, what the Lord tell you. Go ask God yourself. Go pray. Your wife is fasting and you're having a steak. Put the steak to the side fast. Pray, seek the Lord, spiritually lead your family, because if it's not what you want, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. Uh, (laughs) But many of us, many people are still acting like they're dating in all the wrong ways. So they've given up on trying to woo their spouse when they were dating, but they act like they're dating and they can just break up whenever they want to. So they think that they're just waiting to fall in love every day. Like love is some ditch that you accidentally trip and fall into. Yes. Like it has nothing to do with me. It's completely out of my control. I just fell out of love or I'm waiting to fall in love. See, marriage is the graduation from love as a feeling yes. to love as a choice. Yes, yes. When you're dating, you, have, you, you fall in love. You begin to feel love for that spouse. When you get married, you graduate yep. beyond the whims and, yep. and, and waves of emotions, yep. and you go to the choice of love. See, the, when the Bible yeah. describes love in 1 Corinthians 13, this is what love is. I don't care what you think love is. Right. I don't care what society tells you love is. The Bible tells us what love is. Yes. It's 1 Corinthians Corinthians 13. It lays it out for us. There's not one word in that scripture telling you how to feel. Every single word yep. is a prescription on your behavior. Yep. This is how you are to act. And if you will act yep. like that, you will feel love for your spouse.
1: So true. Yes. Yes, that was good. Yes. there's a quote and I don't even know where you got it. I don't know if you came up with it or if you got it from somebody with great wisdom, I probably <laughs> but came they up said, when it. you wake up in the morning, it's probably you, baby. It was you. Um, when you wake up in the morning, you, as you're encountering the Lord and you're going about your day, one of the questions you should ask yourself is what do I owe this person today? What do I owe them? Because he's worthy of being loved and being cherished and being taken care of just as much as I'm worthy of him doing the same thing to me. So if you're in a bad mood, when you wake up in the morning, you have a moral obligation to put a smile on your face, walk up to your spouse and give them a hug and a kiss and tell them good morning. It changes the whole mood of your home. When you do that, I remember when we first got married, um, no, it wasn't when we first got married. It's when we first had a couple of children He would come home from work. And I'm telling you. It did happen
0: after we got married. It did. This is
1: no judgment on anybody that has multiple children. Yes. That's not (laughs) part of our
0: (laughs) testimony. Okay, go ahead.
1: Anyways, um, this happens. So this is no judgment on any mother who has a house that feels like chaos when you're raising little ones, especially. It's a lot of work. So husbands have some grace when you come home. I'm telling you, have some grace on your wives when you come home. But wives... This is something that I did because I knew that it mattered to him. I told him we had an argument one time because he came home and the house is in complete disarray. And he come in and he's like, oh, this is just driving me crazy. Why does it look like this? Why are y'all, the kids are a mess. And I remember getting so upset about it. You don't know what I've dealt with all day. You haven't been in my shoes. Do You know, the kids have thrown up on me three times. I've, I've cleaned up this same space 12 times today. I'm not doing it anymore. So we came up with a plan. I asked him, what would please you? He's like, I just want to return home and have you greet me at the door. Communications, everything. Greet me at the door. Tell me I've missed you today. Um, I want the house to look right. And it so, doesn't
0: mean we live a 1950s no, idealistic we do not. life. We do not. But
1: However, it matters. However, I
0: will say we have really poo-pooed on that life a lot. Yep, I agree. And there's a lot of virtue in it. And so there's a lot of people that have picked up pride, both men and women. Well, I don't know who you think you're dealing with. I'm not your 1950s housewife. Well, they didn't have a 50% divorce rate. Right.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: So what what Nikki is saying is that some of you think you're being authentic and you're just a jerk. Yep. Yep. And I can say that with authority because I could be a jerk better than most of you.
1: Yeah. Women, you have the power to change your atmosphere in your home. Yes, you do. He may be the temperature, but you're the thermostat that gets to control it. And when he would come home, I would ask him, "Okay, do me this favor. You live or you work 45 minutes from the house that gives me 45 minutes to get everything ready because I'm not picking the same mess up 12 times. It's going to stay there." So, I would he would call, "Hey, I'm on my way home." Great. All right, everybody, let's get everything swept up, cleaned up. Light a candle, make the house smell warm and inviting. And I would greet him at the door. And it changed something in our marriage. It was really something powerful in our marriage to do that. That's right. Little things.
0: So you can breed this. This reformation in your home, I'm going to give you two keys. Number one is forgiveness. You must grow in forgiveness yeah. if you want to spiritually grow. Forgiveness is one of the cultural elements of Mercy Culture Church. It's a leadership standard of this house. You cannot be a follower of Jesus if you do not forgive. Yep. It always grieves my spirit when I hear people say stuff like, I just can't, I'll never forgive that person. You're not a Christian. Yep. And this, I'm, I'm sorry. This isn't yep. me. This is what the Bible says. Yep. The Bible teaches us in Matthew 6, 14 and 15 in red letters, meaning Jesus said this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, then your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you of your trespasses. That's what the Bible says. So we have to make it again, a discipline of forgiveness. We give it to the Lord every day. The second way that we can reform our marriage is through unity. Unity makes marriage fun. Unity doesn't always mean perfect agreement. We can, be, we can disagree about the details of a matter and still come into unity with one another. I'm going to give you some tips for unity in your marriage. You ready? Number one, daily encounters. Encounter the Lord every day. Number two, weekly meetings. We try to sit down every week and we go over our calendar uh, when we we run very fast, we have busy calendars. We're running all over the place, often all over the state, going in different directions, and it crosses, and we have to coordinate and. There's a few things more frustrating than when you're in back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back meetings and, and your wife is texting you, what you got going on? What's happening next? What are you doing? there? like, I don't have time to do this. So meetings help. You sit down, you meet, go through your calendar, go through your money. That way, husbands, when you are stressed about money because the budget is tight this week and you tell your wife not to go to Target, it doesn't turn into a fight. You've talked about it. Your partner, she understands. We're in this together. Or he understands for the women that handle the money. Hey, I'm not trying to control you. It's a tight month for us and we've got goals and we're going to steward our finances in this way. So we're going to come into unity here. Communicate with one another. Number three, have a bi-monthly date night. Two times a month, go spend time with each other. I know some of you have babies in the home. We got a lot of babies running around here. Put the baby to bed, yes. light a candle, <laughs> set the table, and have a date night at home yep. until you get to the beautiful stage of life where you can walk out the door and say, we'll see you when we see you.
1: The older siblings. It's awesome. God
0: bless. I'll never forget when our kids became teenagers and we did it yes. the first time and we'd only go to a restaurant like five miles from the house and we felt there like we were breaking the law. We're like, I do feel you feel th- like this is wrong? Do you think that CPS would take the kids away <laughs> gonna from take us?
1: Them away. Something's gonna happen.
0: <laughs> now we're old. We're old And We're like, bye God, when are you coming home? Don't worry about it. Mind your business.
1: You cannot be in unity if this you're not in relationship. This grown folk business. Here.
0: We'll be home yep. when we get, we'll home. get home. Don't worry about it.
1: You have to be in relationship.
0: Don't stay up. Don't wait up. <laughs> Number four, have a yearly marriage retreat. This changed our marriage. It's so yep. cool. We go away yearly and have a marriage retreat, and we talk about things. There there is an entire agenda for your marriage retreat. Just text the word marriage to 59090 and we will send you that, right? It'll come back to you automatically. Marriage to 59090. It's an entire agenda. You talk about your goals. You talk about how your marriage can be better. You talk about how you can grow closer to, uh, you set goals for your finances, for your you spiritual 100% life.
1: 100% conversations.
0: Have, don't leave anything on the table, tell them everything. And then you can go back and review how are we doing here? And your marriage gets stronger. Let me just tell you something. There is a culture being built in your marriage. The only question is, is it being built intentionally or not? And if you don't, if you're afraid to talk about these things and you're afraid to have 100% conversations, you're afraid to build culture, then you will have an unhealthy marriage. Number five Physical intimacy. Few things breed intimacy, breed unity, like physical intimacy. You'll get over a lot of things.
1: <laughs>
0: Nobody wants to say amen, but you all saying it internally. There's this old quote I love shy. it. It says, "Sex isn't the most important thing in a marriage unless you aren't having any. <laughs> then it becomes the most important thing." I'm going to say this just like I've said with other things. Sometimes it's a discipline. Sometimes you have to say. I may not feel like it, but I know this is healthy for us. Mm -hmm. This is going to breed connection, and I'm going to do what I can to breed a physical intimacy. Your whole life cannot revolve around your kids because one day they're going to move out, and what's going to happen is you're going to be living with a stranger. You've got to prioritize Jesus, your spouse, and then your children. You cannot
1: be in unity unless you're in relationship. That's right. And you can't be in relationship when there's somebody in between you.
0: That's right. We are so way I'm over time. So I'm going to speak to
1: parents. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it real quick. You tell me to interrupt you. Um, <laughs> he tells me, interrupt me. I don't want to offend anybody, but children don't belong in your bed. They do not belong in your bed. It's okay to come in in the morning and snuggle with you or at night or if they have a bad dream. But there are times that you have conversations with your spouse. This is beyond physical. There's, There's an something intimacy on that, that babe. is built. I want to
0: just say, just give you permission as your yeah. pastor start tonight and it's going to be three or four nights of hell. Your kid's going to yell and scream and come into your room 14 times, pick them up, take them back to their bed, pray the peace of the Holy spirit on them, love them, kiss them. They're not going to die. They're going to be fine. Make them sleep in their own bed. Uh, Number three, we're going to run through this quickly. Reforming your relationship with your children. I'm going to say it again. Partner with the prophetic word this yep. year. Part of the prophetic word is get your house in order. Yes. Ephesians 6.14 tells us that children are to obey their parents, that it is the only commandment that comes, or the first commandment that comes with a blessing, a promise. You'll live a long life. It may go well with you. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. It means you cannot just poke at your kids, and then they get angry at you, and then you discipline them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't provoke your ch- In other words, be a man worthy of respect. Yeah. Be a man that's not moody and up and down and yelling and screaming, but a man that's stable and secure and strong and a spiritual leader that consistently brings discipline and in the instruction of the Lord to your children and watch them come into to alignment in your house come into order. Your greatest priority as a parent is to spiritually lead your children. Yes. Moms and dads, listen clearly. There's less than a 1% chance little Tommy is going to be a professional athlete. Yes. But there is a 100% chance they're going to stand before the judgment That's throne right. of Jesus one day.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: And if you put them in every after school program and every sports league and every single private lesson, and they become an unbelievable D1 athlete and get a full ride scholarship and die and go to hell, you have failed yeah. at your job. Because what profiteth a man to gain the whole yes. world but lose his soul? This is your most important job. Your job is not simply to raise good athletes and kids who perform well in academics and get into a good college and get a good career. Your job is to raise godly men and women of character and righteousness and holiness and a relationship with the Lord. So I want you to ask yourself this question, do you care more about my, do I care more about my children's grades or their character? Do I care more about their athletic performance or their, there's nothing wrong with athletes. There's nothing wrong with excellence in athletics, in school, in the arts, in whatever area. I'm all about pursuing excellence, but not at the cost of their soul and their relationship with the Lord. There are a lot of people who are sacrificing their children's eternity on the altar of performance. Don't be one of them give you some practical advice. Text the word family to 59090. We ninety. We've spent a lot of time developing these resources for you and your family. Text the word family to 59090 to receive some resources from us to help you to steward your family well. Limit your kids' activities so that they can prioritize relationship with the Lord. If you've got your kid in some traveling sports league and they're missing uh, three Sundays out of the month, you're doing it wrong. Yep. They need to be in the house of God. Yep. They mom and they need yep. to know what mom and dad prioritize, and you are teaching them yes. by your behavior. You're yep. building a culture. When in I their got lives. away
1: from the Lord, that is what brought me back. It was that foundation that was laid because my mom made us. Yep. You're getting up. You're going to church.
0: Get your teens stayed. into church. I don't understand. I know grown adults who will tell me, well, my teenagers won't come to church. I beg your pardon? (laughs) What do you mean they won't come to church? You buy all their clothes. You buy all their food. You you drive them everywhere. They they can't eat unless you pay for it. And they told you they won't come to church. Not in my house. (laughs) Steward your family well. And you can't start when they're 16 because they'll cuss you out you got to start when they're three. Hey, don't talk to me like that. You're going to respect your mother and father. And you teach them and you discipline. Then when they're 16, you don't have to threaten their life. They respect you. Lead your kids into daily encounters. I want to go back to bring your teens to church. I want you to pray with me. It is one of my top priorities as your pastor for this year to launch MC Students in Waco. God is already building a team and just continue. Please place it on your prayer list. Pray with us for the right leadership and the right people and God's perfect timing there. Lead your children into daily encounters. Don't let them when they come into the room be an annoyance to you. Let it be an open door to draw them into an encounter with you. Have a weekly meeting. We're not great at this, we're getting better at it. We actually got this idea from Pastors Landon and Heather. Have a weekly meeting with your family. Find a day every week that you sit down and you meet and you talk about some things. And the agenda for that meeting is in that link that we'll send you if you'll text family to 59090. And then finally, before we go into ministry time, I wanna talk about reforming your relationship with extended family. Now this can be a soft spot for some people but extended family need healthy boundaries. I wanna tell you today, stop letting the most unhealthy people in your family set all of the boundaries for the healthy people in your family. Because what happens most often are the most emotionally unhealthy people, the ones that throw fits, that yell, that scream, that threaten to leave the family. They're the ones that set all the boundaries for everybody else, for the healthy people. This is what you do, hey, for my family, These are our boundaries. We love you. If you'd like to operate within those, awesome. We can't wait to see you at Thanksgiving. If not, we'll be doing our own thing. No, I'm not offended. If I am, I'm gonna give it to the Lord. I'm not gonna hold on to bitterness. These are our boundaries. What does unhealthy look like? And I wanna be careful. Some of you call your spoiled rotten brattiness a boundary
1: say that
0: again and it's not you're just rigid and unkind so there are going to be things that people do differently than you and you go, go well that's my boundaries no no you got to deal with yourself you have to make compromises and it's not going to be just like you in the way you want but know when it reaches a place of unhealth what does unhealthy look like? drunkenness addictions gossip yeah. unwholesome talk slandering of other people, physical and verbal perversion, abusive language, jealousy and competition, constant fighting and arguing. These are things that we draw boundaries for. And healthy looks like Galatians chapter five. It looks like the fruits of the spirit. Healthy doesn't mean that you have the same view on everything. One example is alcohol. For us and our family, we don't drink. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to have a glass of wine. The Bible says it's a sin to be drunk. It doesn't say it's a sin to drink, but for leadership in this house, we don't drink. We do that because we are called to a higher standard. The Bible also says you should not desire to teach the word because you'll be held to a higher standard. And we just know what is the fruit of drinking alcohol. It's just nothing pleasant. It's nothing pleasing for us. What's the point? If I need a glass of wine, you got a peace problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But for our family, we don't drink. It doesn't mean we can't go be with family who might have a glass of wine at Thanksgiving. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, hey, that's okay. Yeah. I, I love you and we'll be fine. I'm not going to do it. But it's okay. Now, if they're getting fall down drunk, we're not not gonna be participating in that because I don't allow my children around that. We just don't. I love you, but we're not doing it. If you make vile, nasty comments about women and their bodies, we're not gonna be hanging with you because I don't allow my children around that. You get one chance. You do it again, we're we're leaving. If you're gonna be gossiping and tearing people down, we're not gonna do that. I don't allow that. So these are just boundaries that we can give to people in kindness, but honor is essential for healthy families. Honor is essential for a healthy marriage. Nikki talked about it earlier. Honor is essential to be a healthy parent. We have to honor one another. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand together. I just want you to posture your heart to receive. We're gonna pray some prayer over you. You should have received anointing oil, a little vial of anointing oil when you walked in this morning. I want the men to take that oil first. Husbands, if you'll take that oil. If you're an unmarried or you're here without your spouse, we're gonna minister to you as well. I want you to receive this. Just open that oil and put a little oil on your hand. It's just a point of contact for prayer. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Come here, babe. Come on, husbands, I want you to just lay hands on your wives. So, Father, Lord, we anoint our wives today, God. I heard the Lord this week say to instruct you to repent to your wives. I want you to even now open up your mouth. If you need to lean in and whisper into her ear, repent to her for specific things. Come on, repent for not spiritually leading her. Repent for neglecting your personal daily encounters with the Lord. Repent for sexual immorality and impurity. Repent for unkind and unloving speech towards her. Repent for not being present with your children. Repent for not trusting God enough to Sabbath and spend time. Some of you need to repent for not working hard enough repent for not loving her enough whatever the lord is showing you just begin right now open up your mouth and repent to her and repent to the lord
1: feel any less than who you are less of a man for not working in the the job that you saw them working in less of a man for them not leading yet it's our job to pray over our husbands pray for your future husband Father, we repent right now for ever making them feel less. For ever speaking anything against them that's not of your word, Father, not what you have called them to be, Lord. We lift our husbands up right now and we say, man of God, rise up. Men of God, rise up. Sons of God, rise up. Be awake in this hour. Hear the word of the Lord for your family. Pray and lead us well. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you that you gave them to us. Would you just whisper in their ear any repentance that you have for them personally?
0: you're unmarried in the room i just want you to posture your heart to receive you don't have to lift your hands just posture your heart to receive father i just speak worth over every person that is single in this room lord i come against the lie that those that are not married are in some sort of holding pattern unable to accomplish anything from the lord unable to step into the fullness of their purpose and calling I come against the lie that they're not valued by the church or by the body of Christ, that they're some sort of second-class citizen. I bind it in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak value into them. Value as an individual, not, value, not as a future spouse, but for where they are right now. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen and fortify them. God, that you would prepare them if that is your will for them to be married, you would prepare them for their future husband or their future wife. But Lord, that you would develop and teach them to fall deeper and deeper in love with you. Strengthen them and fortify them, Lord. Show them how important and valuable they are. Lord, I pray for every parent in this room. Lord, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us the wisdom to lead our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Father, we call out every lost child, teenagers and young adults and even older adults that are lost, that aren't serving you. God, we call them forth in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray, turn the hearts of children back to their fathers. Lord, I pray that you would draw them home, bring home the prodigal sons and daughters. They would be saved, sanctified, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. No matter how far gone we may feel that they are, there's nothing impossible with you, God. Draw them home, we pray. We ask in the name of Jesus. Lord, for every couple that is longing for a child, but that's been unable to have one, God, I pray right now that you would breathe life into those wombs. Lord, I pray that you'd breathe in life for some people, even right now, God, I pray that you would give them a desire for adoption. Lord, no longer allow adoption to be a last resort. For some of you, it needs to be the first choice. So God, breathe a desire for adoption. Breathe life into barren wombs. God, I pray that we would raise our children with great wisdom. Lord, I pray for all of those that have already raised their families, the older members of our church, God, that you would help them to be mothers and fathers in the spirit and grandmothers and grandfathers in the spirit, God. Raise them up as people of wisdom and honor and integrity and power and authority in this house and in their families, Lord. We thank you for the beautiful legacy of family. And we say this. Come on, ask him, say, Lord Jesus, would you reform my family? Come on, say it from your spirit. Say, Jesus, would you reform my family? In Jesus' name,
1: somebody said amen.